We were all, quite frankly, a bit shocked by how little a company knew about the sales process. Jim created a new tagline, in fact, for them, and I will never forget it. He called them, quote, the great pretenders, end quote. Well, welcome to the Miles and the Markers podcast for Wednesday, August the 3rd, 2022. I'm Gene Girdley. Thanks for your patience with me last week. Uh, we're in monsoon season here in the Phoenix area, and there's a lot of uh, thunderstorms and dust storms and things that blow in and out. And you can kind of hear it a little bit still in my voice, but uh, I am sitting outside in the overcast sky but i still have the mister on because it is somewhat warm here but thank you so much for sticking with me thank you for joining me for the miles and the markers podcast we are on mile 30 and i'm also going to do mile 31 today but mile 30 is know the why of your projects and, and i want to set this up by saying that there is a lot of emphasis on knowing your why in life and that's important. Um, a lot of books have been written about it. I'll address one of them today and also a tool and resource that I've used that ties into helping me fulfill my why better. Uh, but there's also books like The Purpose Driven Life, which was a, a really big bestseller out there. And, um, and it really is all about focusing on your why. Why am I here? Because if I don't know why I'm here, then I won't really be able to focus all the best that's in me, right? So that's the idea. But this particular mile is know the why of your projects. So it's a little more targeted of a why than it is my whole life. Because in some cases, I may be hired as a consultant or as a person who works in a company to take a project that is important to somebody else. It's not necessarily important to me, but I need to know what that why is of that project. So that's really what this is about. And uh, beginning now with the book, it's somewhat surprising that my tenure with Mitsubishi lasted as long as it did. And again, I, I live near an Air Force base. I'm outside. You can hear the jets flying overhead. Uh, but Prior to working for Mitsubishi, I was a retail guy and I'd also been a trainer for Saturn. I returned to retail, but now I've gone to work for Mitsubishi. So as I said, it's somewhat surprising that I lasted as long as I did. But since late 2001, I've served full-time or contracting with Mitsubishi for all but two years. It's actually been four years now because of the pandemic. But after all, this entrepreneurial mindset of mine doesn't allow me to be content in one place for very long. As of the writing of this book, I'm coming off a 10-year streak of full-time employment as a performance manager and trainer for Mitsubishi Motors North America. After leaving Saturn and Orange County, there were a few companies that I worked for before taking the job as a sales operations specialist for Mitsubishi, whose headquarters at the time was in Cypress, California. Now, it was a beautiful 45-minute drive to their office from my home. Talk radio was real prominent during those two years, and it really made the trek back and forth from the North American campus enjoyable. 
So, you know, I used to listen to a lot of talk radio and I used to listen to a lot of teaching tapes too during that time. So it was a really good opportunity for me to learn a lot while I was driving back and forth uh, to work. Now, I remember the first time I met Jim Vitz. It was the day of my interview at headquarters. Jim was a high energy, quote, efficiency madman, end quote, who I grew to love as a leader and a person. Now, if you had a passion and enthusiasm for what you were doing, and if you were able to explain why you were doing it, then Jim gave you every ounce of support that you needed to succeed. Others weren't as fond of his approach. In fact, some either really just didn't like him at all or they were afraid of him. And the reason they were afraid of him was because they didn't know their why. They didn't know the why of their projects. And so he would call them out on it. And, uh, you know, I got to know him pretty well and um, really began to understand him pretty quickly. And so it wasn't an issue for me. I just knew what he wanted and I delivered what he wanted. So we got along great. Some people didn't get along so great with him. But here's the thing, at the start of every meeting to which Jim was invited, the first words out of his mouth, the instant he rushed into the room, and I mean rushed, was, quote, okay, everybody, why are we here? There had to be a reason for the meeting and some value behind it, or in Jim's mind, it was a waste of time, and you'll get no disagreement from me. Far too many meetings occur simply because of tradition or formality or it's just the regular Monday meeting or whatever and nothing gets done. Jim taught me clarity of vision was a critical factor to efficiency and success. Every training piece and every memo needed to begin with a purpose. And I've taken my training courses, and I still build my training courses the same way today. They always start with the reason we are here. Why are we here? And it explains what the end objective is for the meeting or the training. It's crystal clear. Now, several years later, Simon Sinek would write the now famous book, Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. And while some didn't feel inspired to take action from Jim's leadership, they all ensured that they followed his strategy of leading with why. Jim led the way long before the idea of why was in vogue. Now, I also want to mention that there's another tool that I use that ties this together really, really well. And it was called the Franklin Planner or the Franklin Covey Planner. And... If you have used it, or even if you haven't, I'll kind of let you know how it worked and why it was such a powerful tool, is you would start out with Covey's helping you to understand what your mission in life is about. You know, they, they work you through a process of understanding your priorities in life. And then once you knew what your priorities were and you had them really well defined and you had them written down. And by the way, this was a, a class that you took to use this Franklin Planner. Once you had it all clearly defined, then when you started to map out your day or your week or your month or your year, but especially when you re would refine it to your day, 
you would start listing out all of the tasks or plans that you had for that day. And then you would give them a letter, A, B, C, at the, at the most D, but A, B, C typically. And A was the highest on the list of priorities. Then there was B, then there was C, and you moved down the list of priorities. But then you'd take all the A's, because maybe there were four of them, right, for the day that were, these are A, all A's. And then you would decide which one got the number one, which one got the number two. So it'd be A one through four, B one through three, C one through four. And that's how you would work your plan for the day. But here's the thing, whatever you listed as an A, and especially an A1, would be whatever was based on fulfilling your why. Did it meet the standards for why you existed and why you were doing what you were doing that day? It should have been the number one solution for whatever your why was in life or in your job or whatever you needed to do for that day. If it was family related, then that should have been A1. If it was something else, then that should have been A1. But it all was based on your why. So the priority of your why was always an A1 first, and then you work down the list from there. So now the mile marker. Know exactly why you do each task you do. Have a clear vision and purpose for every plan you put in place. Every meeting you set must have a reason, even if it's just planning to have fun. Because that could be a really important part of your why. So the reason that I mentioned that I was going to do two miles were because these were short. And so I've just completed the first one. And now we're going to get to mile 31, which is not all experts know, quote, your, end quote, stuff. Not all experts know your stuff. So I moved from retail to Mitsubishi Motors North America, met Jim, learned his processes and strategies and how to get things done the right way, learned to prioritize the why of everything. And now this little mile or and mile marker are about a particular experience that we had with another very well-known company. So it begins one of the significant projects my department participated in during my first stint with Mitsubishi was a series of videos focused on improving customer satisfaction. The project cost was somewhere around $2 million. And the vendor contracted to develop the video scripts was none other than J.D. Power and Associates. Now, the project manager, team leader, and lead writer were all terrific people. Each one held either a master's degree or higher, and they approached the project with professionalism and efficiency. At least that was their objective moving forward. Now here's the real key in this, and I'm kind of pausing and drawing this statement out a little bit while the jet goes over, but here's the key. None of them, none of the people on the project had a clue about what actually happens with salespeople and customers in retail automotive. A lack of real world experience isn't at all uncommon. 
Most outside vendors have never worked in a retail environment, so all of their knowledge is theoretical. Now, this is why the vendors use what's called an SME or subject matter expert. They need someone who's actually done the job in real life to be their source of information. And in this case, they had someone who was supposedly a subject matter expert, but their subject matter expertise was the fact that they'd written a whole bunch of other training manuals for automotive OEMs, uh, which is automotive manufacturers, basically. Original equipment manufacturers is what that means for those who don't know. So they've had a lot of experience writing, a lot of experience writing training manuals, but not a lot of experience actually in the retail environment. And so that created a challenge. So my task in this project was to review the drafts of each script and provide notes and edits because I was the subject matter expert internally for this project. And as it turned out, the script reviews, based on how many notes I had, and, and I wasn't the only one. We had other retail, previous retail folks in there. But they lasted anywhere from four to six hours each. That's how much rewriting needed to be done. Now, and it wasn't as if the writing was poor. These writers were experienced and educated in their craft, but the terminology, the phrases, and the examples given weren't realistic to what salespeople actually say or what customers actually experienced at each step of the process, whether it was a buying process or the finance process or the delivery process or the follow-up process. The things that they had written down were all theoretical things that you had heard about, but it wasn't actually what happened. So here we go. We were all, quite frankly, a bit shocked by how little a company at J.D. Power and Associates, or I mean the people at J.D. Power and Associates, or a company like J.D. Power and Associates, knew about the sales process in an industry they held so much influence over. In fact, um, and again, they serve a valuable purpose. I'm not bashing them as a company. They serve a valuable purpose, but quite frankly, because of what their surveys have become, they pretty much hold the manufacturers and dealers hostage. I mean, they're the biggest name. They monopolize most of the most important surveys. And if you've got bad scores and they publish that and your ranking is bad, it affects your business. So they have leverage. They have leverage and they take full advantage of that leverage as Anybody who has leverage does, right? They take full advantage for their own benefit. Now, the result of the project was a success, so everybody was happy with it. After the videos rolled out, coupled with other training and exams via our Mitsubishi Academy, the brand's SSI scores rose 32 points year over year, and everyone was happy with our team. But the experience and the amount our department paid out caused Jim and others to reconsider the value provided by J.D. Power & Associates. Jim created a new tagline, in fact, for them, and I will never forget it. He called them, quote, the great pretenders, end quote. A few years later, J.D. Power & Associates was sold to McGraw-Hill Financial and continued to be a primary source of rating 
customer experiences. Now, I want to be clear that an J.D. Power and Associates, no S, offers a valuable service to consumers and also valuable tools and resources to manufacturers to help them evaluate performance. But when it came to script writing for actual change of process in a dealership, they really didn't know that much at the time. Now that experience for them may have changed that. They may know a lot more now and they may have the right people in place if they're writing training for other manufacturers. But at the time, it was a learning experience for all of us. So the mile marker, leverage your expertise and the expertise of others. Make sure the people in charge of projects are the most knowledgeable and most qualified regardless of their degree or their reputed level of knowledge. So that is mile and mile marker 31. Next week is mile 32, be ready to pivot. It's another short one, so we'll see uh, where I go from there. In any case, I really do appreciate you for joining me today. And uh, if you haven't read the book, you can go to Amazon.com, type in Gene Girdley, my name, and the book will come up. It's the Miles and the Markers, 52 Weeks of Experiences to Improve Your Life and Enhance Your Journey. Hey, until next time, thank you for being here. Have a great rest of your week and God bless you.